Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Aggie Johnson. Aggie is the founder and owner of Wilkate Family Enterprise Office in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She focuses on purposeful planning that helps build lasting family wealth beyond the balance sheet. Aggie helps multi-generational family enterprises understand how to transition their business using the power of their resources to create an extraordinary life for their family today and provide for future generations. Her approach looks at the bigger picture. Her multidisciplined expertise is in helping clients balance life's transition between family, business, and shared capital, understand their own relationship with wealth, and realize their purpose and vision for their families. Aggie places a high value on family, spending as much time as she can with her four grown sons, three wonderful daughter-in-laws, and a beautiful grandchildren. You may also find her traveling with her husband, hiking or giving back to the community in her free time. Well, good morning, Aggie. Good morning, Greg. I am so glad that you could join me this morning for this edition of Family Business Today. I've really been looking forward to our interview to learn more about your business, Will Kate, and your insights into the success of multi-generational family businesses. Good. So, so let's get started. You've been consulting family-owned businesses for many years like us. So tell us about how you got started in working with family businesses on transition planning and wealth planning. Sure. I Grew up in the wealth management side, and and as I was going through my career, what we noticed in the industry is that family businesses were so powerful, but yet had so many struggles. And when I saw that, it was kind of near and dear to my heart, because at the same time, approximately, my father became ill, and that launched my siblings and my own family partnership because we wanted to keep it in the family mm-hmm. because we actually hit 100 years and that's when I got introduced to it. Oh, well, cool. cool. So, so, uh, so you're a hundred year old business. Is that what I'm hearing you say? So what, what is the, what is the origin of your business, of your company? Sure. Um, we are in South Dakota and my family's farming operation is the one that is the entity. And so we still have it. And it is now going into the fourth generation already. Fourth generation, that's awesome. So uh, I don't know what they call them here in in, in the South uh, and in Tennessee where we live. Uh, we call them uh, century farms. So congratulations on on that. That's a really, uh, especially in agriculture today, that's uh, really an accomplishment. So congratulations. Well, on Thank your you. website, you talk about a broader view of wealth. Uh, uh, through six dimensions of wealth. So what are they and why is it important for family businesses to look beyond the traditional view of wealth? Sure. Um, My experience, uh, most times the thing that is focused on is really the financial side of the equation, and rightfully so. 
And then the structural side, which is really how it's owned, who owns it, you know, what are our, you know, documents that are needed to make sure that the company itself is really taken care of. What I've found and what is extremely valuable is even the heritage and the values that families bring and how do they pass those on along with human talent and and the family relationships in itself and even sometimes how they interact in the community and in just society at large. Very good. Very good. Well, um, and so when you talk about the, the community, the what tell me tell me a little bit more about that. What's what is that? Sure. If I look at the communities, whether regardless of what um, kind of company it is, in, and even if it's a farming operation or it's a, a subsidiary or a residential or whatever that is that they are have their business in, it's about how you interact in the community itself and what that means for those that you employ and how you give back to the communities in many ways of what you receive from. So when we look at communities themselves, it's that contribution that we give and make sure that the community is thriving right along with the business itself that is thriving in family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially uh, in in the uh, farming community, the the farming communities generally are much smaller than, say, a metro area. And so many instances, uh, the, the farm is a very important part, not only of the family community, but as a community as a whole, as an economic driver. So that's that's really good. Well, I uh, want to sidetrack just a little bit. Uh, going back to this fourth generation, 100-year-old farm family business is, is that, uh, as you know, is, is only about 4% of family businesses successfully make it to the fourth generation and beyond. And so uh, congratulations on that. But uh, And we always hear uh, when we're talking to family businesses about treating uh, family members uh, fairly versus equally uh, uh, in the transition planning for a business. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that and how have you been able to be successful with that to be a fourth generation family family farm? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. And I would say communication is a tremendous key and then transparency. The building of relationships, many times um, they can be siloed, such as if you're an owner, um, that's only an owner's conversation. We take that more into a family's conversation. So even for ourselves and, and how we work with our families, we will look at that and say there are certain decisions that are important that are made strictly from a legal perspective. But with that said, we included Spouses, and we encourage the inclusivity in any family that owns family businesses or shared wealth or something, because the spouse is very influential in those conversations, whether they're there or they're at home. So the more you conclude, include them in, that means that there's clear communication and there's transparency and understanding of how everything is working collectively and what it means for everyone. Those are really some of the key pieces that we found because building those relationships are really more like the roots of a tree. Those are really, really important. And so when we do the family council meetings, it's really important that we do include them and even sometimes the next generation of Mm -hmm. what their thoughts are. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the uh, 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 family business gives a new meaning to the word family trees. So, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, usually when we start off working with families, uh, uh, businesses, uh, they ask us, what are the three things we're going to focus on? And I say, well, there's really three things that really goes through everything we do. The first one's communications, the second one is communications, and the third one is communications. And so let's start talking. <laughs> so uh, so I appreciate your bringing, bringing that up for us there. Well, as a broader view of wealth, you talk about an alternative view of family wealth. Please explain the new family balance sheet. Sure. You know, as I was sitting down really thinking about a lot of the commonalities that we have with our clients and even the commonality that we had for our operating entities. Um, the one thing that sometimes that is missed is always about the talent of the family and the worth of that in itself really can in many ways be priceless. And we don't necessarily always put value on family talent. We'll put value on maybe someone that we hire in that's not family so when you start to look at it from that standpoint, there's tremendous value because there's also loyalty that comes along with it and, and similar values and even our idea way of thinking. We also look at just how many family members. Um, we've got some that have many and multiple family members and even in my own family partnership, mm -hmm. the nieces and nephews and great-grandchildren are well into the hundreds already. Mm -hmm. So there's a tremendous value in just having those foundations there. And then even from a society standpoint or our heritage, that really is passed down for many generations. Mm -hmm. So yes, so there is the balance sheet, uh, uh, the wealth part of that, but, and it's really whether it's a family business or uh, uh, any other uh, corporate uh, businesses, is that you know, there's a tremendous amount of asset in the people uh, that you have uh, 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 managing the build business and building building uh, uh, values. So, yeah. So the people is very important to that. Well, uh, for our family business listeners, how do you know if there is untapped leadership talent in your family tree? Oh, that that is a great talent or great question. Excuse me. The the talent is is fun to uncover. So if I think about that. Um, a lot of times when we start, we look at where everything is today, and then we'll take the ages of all the family members, and we'll start looking at them. And part of that is uncovering what their experiences are. So if you look at family talent, a lot of times we might say, well, gosh sakes, you know, Billy was this when he was growing up. So we might quickly, very uh, quickly, I should say, assume that he's got this talent or doesn't have that talent. We look at it from the standpoint of what experiences can you give to them. So if I look at my own children, I've got four of them out there, and looking at their natural talents and what really makes them thrive is important, and giving them the opportunities because now you're going to see where they're going to thrive and what can they bring to the table. It may not be in one business. It may be from a standpoint of an advisory board standpoint or something to that effect but really uncovering what is it that they can bring to the table and they want to bring to the table. And that takes some time, but we have to ask the right questions and offer the experiences out there in order for them to really develop that. Very good, very good. Yes, I, I run into it a lot of times, Aggie, where 
uh, um, um, a parent has two or three or four children and uh, they want them all to be involved in the business and instead of looking at the talents of the children uh, they they put them into uh, particular areas and sometimes it's not where they have gifts so uh, a lot of times the oldest son becomes the president and CEO of the company when he may be more of a sales or a manufacturing or a financial guy but not a great leader and it may be actually the youngest daughter uh, who may actually be the best person from a skills and talents to be in that uh, present CEO role. Have you experienced that before? Absolutely. Um, and I can, I can tell you so many stories oh, that sure. I will, I will talk about one and some of the experiences even we don't always look at, um, I'll use the term married in because sometimes they're considered the outlaw. And when I look at that, or even I look at my three daughter-in-laws, or I look at the families that we serve, when you look at the the in-law side of the equation, there's so much untapped talent. And many times it's um, either driven by, it has to be a family member. Sometimes a, uh, if it's an in-law, we won't let them in. But I did see um, specifically at one point where the in-law had extreme talent, but they were considered to have grown up on the wrong side of the tracks. And so as we continued to work through this, I asked people to not necessarily put people in positions or titles, let's allow them to evolve and develop. And it, throughout that process, it was instead of the son, it was a daughter and her husband that became the CEO and the COO. And the son that was in, instead to be the CEO was the director of the sales mm -hmm. because they were in multiple states. And, and then there's a cousin that was specifically in a very detailed one of the stores area because that's where his talents were. So it was fun as that evolved over time to allow them to naturally through the career process in the family businesses was to allow them to get into their fit. Mm. And to this day, they are 97 years old. Oh. And they will continue. They'll definitely hit. That is the fourth generation. Right. And when we were moving in through to from two, three, four, that time frame of even looking at the talent and looking at it not necessarily of a, a son or a daughter or a cousin or an in-law, it was really removing that view and saying, what is this person's talent? So it, it's fun, and it's fun to see them as far as how they're even continuing to thrive and continuing to evolve that whole process of you, how you grab and really keep talent so that can go on for generations. Yes, yes. Well, well thanks for sharing that. That's uh, uh, an advantage of having multiple generations and the success. I can see how your, your, comp your family business has been succeeding. Well, I, th I think most of us have probably uh, uh, read, uh, read the book Purpose Driven Life. Uh, you've highlighted the importance of living purposely. So what is purposeful planning? Sure, that is a great question. And I think the 30-some years I've been doing this already, um, the evolution of that purposeful planning is we don't always look at it that way. And so when I think about that, it's, it's a much deeper dive, which is where the six um, dimensions of wealth come into play. And you really dive deep in that. And even the desires of a generational family, what that longer view is for the enterprise. And as you uncover all of those meaningful pieces 
you know, and what is that message that they want to share with the future generations and carrying wisdom forward, that is a much different view on what wealth is all about. And it's also kind of thinking about, you know, who are who is that team surrounding you? Because purposeful planning is really also inclusive with a great solid team that works with the family. So you mentioned sometimes that it's family office or it can be a trust officer or it can be, you know, your legal team, your tax team, you know, whatever that is, but it's a team that's very solid and has a view with that family for that 100 year out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Well, uh, you, going back to those six dimensions of wealth, uh, uh, well, uh, financial, structural, spiritual, human, family, and community, w- which one of those would you say that most family businesses uh, 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 really forget to focus on in transition planning and managing wealth when they really need to make sure that they don't skip that step? Um, Definitely family and human talent. Um, Those are the things that generally, uh, I'll just use the term, maybe taken for advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, And primarily because they, they just always assume they'll always be there. And what happens when there isn't that deeper dive, and, and, I'll, and I'll use kind of a, the term parallel planning. Mm-hmm. So if I think about these elements, the parallel planning process, while people are working on their business or their strategic planning or even the structures and those areas that are really important, we simultaneously bring along the other elements of wealth or the dimensions of those, which are what are those heritage pieces and those values and, and spiritual side of it that is really important to the family. And when I talk about those, it's what are those values? What are those deep dives that you see that are very common in a family unit or multiple family units? And what does that mean for them in the community? How do they give back and to be really grateful? And if I look at the talent side of it, we don't always ask you know, what is it that you want, especially if you're in a family business, sometimes it might be, well, I need you here. And if, <laughs> if I relate it, right, if yeah. I relate it back to my own family, my son, my youngest son, he's just graduating with his master's in clinical psychology. Yeah. And the makeup of our company is the technical side, along with the psychology of a lot of things, your family systems and your cultures that really are driving the for- forces there and even you know what our belief systems is is that's how we make our decisions so we have to understand even our family systems so i just um it's kind of fun to have justin he's with been with me actually from the start of the launch of will kate and when we did that it was some of those well justin you're a freshman in college can you help me with this and then as time went along because he actually was going for psychology it got more and more fun to even see how he evolved inside there. So if I think about those pieces that generally that are left behind, it is that very piece. It is the very important part of family communication and cultures and values and really constantly building on those relationships. Those are the most critical pieces because that's the root of everything that holds it together. Very good. Very good. Well, um, You've talked about it a little bit, but uh, in outlining your uh, family legacy planning, you talk a lot about 
wider lens, um, and I like to call it the big picture. How does that wider lens help when it comes to purposeful planning? Oh, that that is a great picture. You know, when I think about um, as a planner in itself, I'm generally going to go large, right? And I'm going to go very holistic. But that's only my lens, right? So if I think about a wider lens, it's really collectively bringing everyone's thought processes to the table and their voice because that gives you that global view. Because it's pretty hard for me to really be objective sometimes because I can pretty much think that, you know, here's my thoughts, right? I think this is a pretty good idea. But if I don't really broaden that lens and bring others' voices in, I really won't know collectively what is in the best interest of the family as a whole and the enterprise as a whole. So broadening that lens and even being informed from a very global perspective, that really helps people and families and everyone involved to really look and have that view in the front that is going to take them to a much broader um, opportunities out there. Very good. Well, let's let's go a little bit f- further on this topic of wider lenses here. Uh, and as we said earlier, is very, very few family businesses make it uh, to four generations, five generations, and especially to a to 100 years. So what do you recommend to uh, family businesses and family business leaders who would really like to begin planning now uh, for uh, 100 years from now? Sure. Um, how they would start and how we, we would start with them is really sitting down and having an understanding, you know, what are their thoughts for a purpose and why they actually exist and even bringing multiple generations in there. So if I think about kind of the, the very fundamental piece, too, of what is a successful family business or enterprise, I'm going to keep using that because the enterprise makes up all those areas of wealth. If they sit down with multiple generations and they really talk about what is that central purpose, right? What are their values and what is it that they want to accomplish in a much larger view out that in itself is a great way to start planning because you can you can do strategic planning for a business. You can do strategic planning for um, constant in, in growth on your wealth. But if we don't have that central purpose and we don't have a central view and a reason to go down there, then we're not we're easily going to kind of jump around and maybe get caught in the ditches sometimes. Mm. And so that very fundamental piece of having those conversations of why we exist is important. Now, in a quick story behind that is most recently, one of my sons called and we were talking through some things and he was asking how things were going. And his background is um, neuroscience, which is what his PhD is in. Mm -hmm. And so he, he loves to hear this side of the equation. And he said to me, Mom, is it okay if we join the advisory board? And when I heard that, because they're all in the medical field, it was fun to hear that, right? And that brings in that central purpose, right? It brings in, hey, we want to continue, you know, grandpa's wisdom and his legacy, and how can we do that? And so inviting him in, even though he's in a much different field, is important because he will bring a very objective view and and really constantly develop the central purpose. Very good, very good. Yes, uh, 
Uh, I know talking to third generation and fourth generation is many of them never knew the founder uh, of the company. And one of the things you always are asking is, so tell me uh, what was the vision for the family business being started? And that's so important for those generational transitions. If you don't know why, uh, you, it's hard for you to, to make sure that the purpose remains moving forward and that you have the same values uh, as the uh, founders had for your company. So, so that's good. Well, I don't want to talk really about so much about obstacles to building a successful and sustainable enterprise, but what are some what are what are a few things that uh, family businesses should start doing now to build a successful and sustainable enterprise? Sure. I would say for them to start and and really be able to have this sustainable is starting with their central purpose, but reaching out either to to have someone help them kind of even know how to get started in that, but even sitting down with just some, you know, some questions that are, what is this family about? What is my view out there? If I look at um, some of the pieces, even just bringing in, you know, where, where did we start? Where did we come from? Why did my parents pass this on? Or if someone is just starting their own, those pieces right there of understanding that is really important. So we have a family that is hit a hundred and they want to go to the next 100. Mm -hmm. So building even some of the governance structures are going to be helpful, but teaching um, the next generation to always be curious about life, right? And to always even be able to challenge Things, whether it's in the business or values and allowing those things to evolve over time is important. Mm -hmm. But if I think about the family that we are working with to hit that next 100 years, it is really understanding what governance structures, too, will help us get there, whether it's um, anything from setting up the family council and let's talk about that and what is the owner, what is it that they would like from this or even, you know, what is this? stand for us and how is the family systems and culture is really brought into the business. That's one of the hardest things as an owner and even as a family member is taking time to do those things because we're always doing and we're always trying to make sure that the business is going well, taking time to really step back and thinking about is the family going well and what does that mean? That takes time sometimes even to journal it or just to sit down and be mindful of how I'm looking at things that sometimes feels like we're not doing the work. That actually is sometimes the hardest work mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you know as well as I do that uh, uh, families that work together in a family business never disagree with each other. And everything and people looking from the outside think that boy it's a family business that couldn't be anything easier because everybody agrees with on everything and you and i know that i'm being very facetious and that there's really a lot of opposing dynamics in in a family business so uh, tell us a little maybe a little bit or a story on how you've helped uh, resolve uh, these type of opposing dynamics conflicts in a family business Sure. You know, there, uh, and you're, you're so spot on. <laughs> uh, 
um, because everybody has different views. Now, there can be some different dynamics that are going on inside there, whether it's they disagree with the decision of where the business is going, disagree with how ownership is, disagree with who's going to be president or how someone's compensated. There's so many things that can come into play that having those brought to the table and and actually have in a family constitution, how are we going to have employment and opportunities, rights and responsibilities for employment, or how do we view compensation? Do we view it as based on market? Do we view it as because they're family? You know, what is it? And actually laying all of those pieces out are really going to be important because once you lay them out, allowing that to evolve over time, that really makes sure that everyone is on the same page. Um, that will help in those disagreements and, and actually having all of them work through and agreeing to what that looks like. Those pieces are important because sometimes we get into um, the thick of things of business and we forget how decisions are made or why they should be made and then we kind of do them on the cuff. Mm-hmm. Going through a family constitution helps to give those guiding principles and what everyone agrees to do. And the fun thing about those is once that actually the first round is started and then the, if you have another generation helping to put those together, they will give their insights and it no longer becomes a disagreement. It's more about how can we make sure that we're developing that next generation up to really have opportunities. And when you start to do those things, every generation is going to start to tag on to that. And an example would be there was um, a family that the ownership was not equal. And it just from the founding father, there was no real communication as to how things were going to flow, whether it was ownership, whether it was what positions they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And the father got sick and boom, there all the ownership was just kind of haphazard put together. And so over time, and actually 40 years, they never resolved that and it kept coming into the business. And when they called us, one wanted to go to generations a couple of them wanted to sell because they didn't want their generations to go through the same thing that they did. So as we got started, the very first thing that was important to happen is to make sure that those relationships we got were stronger. We can't change what happened in the past, but we can sure work on some of these things and getting, we actually created the family council, which included their spouses. And as we work through building their constitution out, a lot of the conflict that was there was resolved through those conversations, very hard conversations, but very important conversations and keeping them calm as they were talking through some of the hurts, some of the misunderstandings, some of the what they felt was not fair. Those pinkses came out and throughout that process, in about two years, the aha moments came to where this can go generational and it can go without conflict. Mm-hmm meaning deep conflict. And as they continue to walk through it, the presentation to that next generation and opening that up, it was an eye-opener because the next generation thought they would never have an opportunity because the parents couldn't get rid of the discomfort or discord between them. And they agreed to make sure that they were not going to repeat that pattern in the family systems. So working through all of those pieces was really important because now actually we are in the the process of bringing that next generation on. And in that, 
They also started to hear what the next generation thought about the business and the community that they've been involved in for so long. They actually had them bring in some ideas for the business, and one of them was robotics, and they executed it just this last year. So it was fun to see that evolution throughout, but it was making sure communication, conversations were being had, but we put it in a very safe environment that there was no blaming or shaming or any of that or judging. It was let's keep moving towards what we want that 100-year view to be, and that helped to resolve actually the discord that was between the siblings at that mm -hmm. point. Very good. Yes, we see that often. I think that what I, I, I've heard through all this, Aggie, though, is is that uh, the key word I, I would say is structure, uh, governance, family constitutions, family council, planning, uh, and communications, and, and, and also uh, not being the 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 head of the household or or the dad is is seeking input and feedback from next generation or e even siblings that are in the business uh, working towards that central goal of helping to build wealth in your company. Does do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And with this particular. Um family client, they were really concerned about what they would call um, political <laughs> or governmental views, meaning that you could not make a decision or move or pivot or, or quickly reshape mm -hmm. because they felt governance structures restricted it. And as we help them understand the purpose of why each is set up, it's really of where you have certain conversations so things don't feel like they're gray convoluted or all of a sudden we just don't make decisions because we're having multiple conversations or types of conversations within about 10 minutes. Mm. And so when we help them to understand why a family council is important and what that is, which is really the business of the family and relationships, because that's where we started with them. And then if you even think about, you know, what is an owner's plan or actually what does the board of directors do? What is an advisory board, right? All of these pieces, it started to make sense of why they have multiple meanings and what each of those structures were. And because from those, they actually were able to make decisions, execute, relate, communicate. There was transparency on why those decisions were made and what their central purpose was for all of this piece here. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, we're, we're coming to the end of our, our time together. I've really, really been enjoying our conversation. We could go on for a long time uh, talking about this, uh, this important topic. But uh, uh, what does the future look like for Will Kate? Well, that's pretty exciting. Um, as we move forward, we do want this actually to be generational. And it's kind of a mix of it is family business. But we also have, that's our service. That is what we do for clients, but it's also what we do for the family. Mm -hmm. And actually, we're um, adding more people, as we say. And, and for the most part, they're non-family mm -hmm. because talent is really critical. And then as we um, prepare it for the next generation, because right now I have eight grandchildren already. So it's even looking at them, ages mm -hmm. from... <laughs> right? Ages yeah. from a month all the way up to 12. 
sometimes people will say, well, you can't really do anything and plan for that far out. You don't know what 100 years is going to look like, but what you do is you set it up and the structures you set up for that to evolve and continue Mm -hmm. to push that wisdom to the front. And so the family feels compelled to say, you know what, we all want to lift the elephant that we've got. And then it doesn't feel like an elephant anymore, right? It's going to be very, Mm -hmm. hopefully, enjoyable. So, yes, that's what Will Kate uh, looks like in the future. And uh, the four sons and my daughter-in-laws are actually going to be part of that. Not necessarily working in it, but working on it. Working on it. That's the key word. They don't have to be working in it to be able to be a a part of it and a part of the legacy of the family. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I, I heard you talking about eight grandchildren and uh, uh, next generations and and next generations. Well, what about the future for Aggie? What's that look like? <laughs> um, I would say I want to enjoy just having that balance out there. I love what I do, but I also want to make sure I get out of the way um, because you want other talents to come in and just take this to the next level. And so hopefully I can have a great balance between still seeing Will Kate grow and develop and move, um, but also enjoying my grandchildren and uh, having more of a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship again with my husband. So that is going to be fun. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, uh, I, I am the same way I, uh, with Jennifer, so I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah, work-life balance is important, and, and it's, it's very hard sometimes uh, when you're talking to, especially with founders, uh, maybe even more so than uh, second or third generations who are the now gens is, but just letting go. It's, you know, uh, raise up the next generation and train them and everything else, but letting go and uh, we say you don't need to retire you can refire and uh, what does that look like it sounds to me like you've you've got a real plan for refiring uh, once you you do decide to step down well well w- just what are some you have any closing thoughts aggie that you'd like to share with our listeners before we end our time together absolutely you know i being the general partner of my own family uh, limited partnership and eight siblings yet, knowing that although there's maybe difficult things ahead of you or you're in the middle of discord or something like that, grab a team and have them help you get through that because on the other side of that is where the fun begins and the evolution of that of what it can be and just wave your magic wand and say, what is my dream? Very good. Very good. Well, Aggie, thank you for being my guest on Family Business Today, and please accept our best wishes for continued success for you and for Will Kate, and most of all, uh, have fun with those grandchildren. To learn more, I sure about, will. <laughs> to learn more about Will Kate or receive a free copy of their 100-year family business guide, visit their website at www.willkate.com. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for Family Business Today podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together create a lasting family legacy. 
Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you're wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, schedule a 30-minute no-cost call by sending us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. Until next time, thanks for joining us.